Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. We are sitting in the eye of the storm up up ahead of the new anime season here, which means it's a good time to reflect on the ending anime season uh, with shows pretty much just wrapping up this past week for the summer 2019 season. And so today is going to be our final thoughts podcast on what we've been watching. So, uh... Or haven't been just, watching in my case. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've all, we're not going to talk about shows that uh, that uh, no one on the podcast has watched, obviously. So we got you covered, Aqua. But uh, uh, yeah, so sorry, uh, Gear fans. <laughs> yeah, which Simple Gear would have only been like the third most gay thing on this list, interestingly <laughs> enough. But we'll uh, we'll talk about that. I, but uh, <laughs> I heard I heard about the ending at least. Um. All right, so on the podcast today, I'm Jill, and with me, as always, we have Iroh. Yep, hi, still here. I survived Iroh's, another season. Iroh has survived another season. Uh, we have G. My uh, my firefighter soul is burning hot, so uh, I'm ready to uh, talk about some of the uh, hot, oh, man, hot anime closing out. <laughs> you guys are really excited about Fire Force, huh? Yeah, oh, yeah can't, can't get enough <laughs> of even... that. Didn't even make our list here. Is that even still running? Yeah, yeah. Go so okay. It's it's continuing to next season, I think. Uh, okay, so we'll we'll leave that one alone today. And uh, joining us again, we have Aqua. Yep. I mean, the the fact that I'm here despite having only seen two shows to the end means that you can achieve everything you want as long as you have the right friends. <laughs> yes. This is anime. The power of friendship always wins. So. All right, so we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, I've, we have a lot of thoughts on all of these shows. We'll try to keep it uh, as concise as possible, but I'm making no promises. We've done these enough to know better, <laughs> I think, at this mm. point. <laughs> uh, so uh, before we get to the proper TV shows, we do want to mention uh, Iro and G finally got to see Promare in America. Hell yeah. Actually, Promare, apparently. Oh, what? Yeah, uh, I know, I, right, right? I know. We're, we're still trying to wrap our heads around it. Like, ex- apologies if I accidentally mix up the pronunciations of this podcast, but apparently, yes, the official pronunciation of the movie is the, like, the English phonetic pronunciation, not the Japanese, like, phonetic that, pronunciation. That just flipped the entire universe on its head for me. <laughs> I know, I know. It's... Well, Actually, where did you wow. hear that, Eero? I remember you, you told me that, but where... Well, they literally were saying it out loud. <laughs> so, I mean, really? any, any trailer or pre-release thing where they said the title out loud, it was Promare. I guess I didn't so, pay attention. Also, in the movie, they said Promare. They did? Huh, okay. Is Promare like an actual concept in the film? Maybe, yeah, yes. Sure. Maybe. So okay, you're so saying this your, movie uh... is, is not about Italians who are in favor of the sea, but no. it is about a female horse that is very good at racing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a professional maker. Indeed. Or, yeah. Uh, uh, no, so, that was the horse girls, but PA works uh, a little yeah. while ago. 
that, that's the alternate title for uh, whatever. What was that show called? I don't even remember. I don't fucking remember. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> Point is, Pomer was pretty good. Yeah. So what's yeah. the uh, what's the spoiler it. take? The spoiler free uh, take on uh, Promare. Top three things Trigger has done today. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'd say that like it is. Of, it is definitely like the five things Trigger has done. I, I'd, I'd say Promare <laughs> is definitely up there with the likes of Little Witch Academia and Inferno Cop. Um, I think that uh, yeah, Promare is is a. Uh, for the Sorry, record, what? one and one and two. What is one and two for you? Guys? Um, Little Witch Academia two, probably okay. Little Witch Academia two. Uh, now I think, Gridman. Huh, you know, oh, you you pick Gridman. Interesting. Okay, I I was gonna say now my number two and three is like a three way tie between Kill a Kill, Promare, and Inferno Cop. Um, I I. <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like I signed a contract like with the devil like when Trigger as a studio was created, where I was like, please, please make Trigger the studio I wish it would be, and it was like, all right, but you always have to keep Inferno Cop in your top three Trigger anime of all time, <laughs> and I was like, so be it, I'll take that deal. So uh, oh, guys, you, always... you, you forgot my look. This is the third best uh, thing. <laughs> Trigger have ever done after number one, Turning Girls, and number two, that uh-huh. one music video they did for Momoiro Clover where they fight Jim. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that was that totally good, good, actually. What about the Dungeons right. Chi commercial? Yeah, right, what so about we the don't... Project X Zone uh, opening? <laughs> All right, so we don't have a consensus on one and two, but Pro- Promare is a good bet uh, for number three. Huh? Promare is. Uh, Go in and expect it to be an Imaishi slash Nakashima work because that's exactly yeah. what it is. Everything and you think that will happen in that, based on those two being the creators, is probably going to happen in that movie. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know what? Like, I mean, that's like a you know, that's a real like you know, uh, a reductive way to put it. But like, I think Iro totally has it. Where, like, the 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 real like the real silver lining to that statement is. If you were ever worried that, like, the Imaishi-Nakashima combo was, like, a fluke, that, like, Gurren Lagan and Kill a Kill were just, like, lucky coincidences, I feel like, you know, two is a coincidence, three is a trend. I think Promare is uh, kind of proof in the pudding that yeah. those two can do some wild shit. Right, it was not, my statement was not meant to be derogatory in any way. Oh, no, 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 I, sorry, I didn't mean to imply that either, sorry, I, I guess... Um, but well, yes, you are correct. Yeah, it, it could come off as oh, it's the same old thing. So, but it's that's not necessarily the case, right? Like I don't. Or yeah, if like, it is, I, that's a good thing. <laughs> yes, I think I think the way I want to put it is like yes, Promare is definitely like it is Amaishi's very like body sensibilities tempered by Nakashima's like <laughs> more grand- escalation. Yeah, 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 his brand of, like, narrative escalation, and it makes something that is, like, you know, I I think a conversation we've had in the past is, like, the really cool thing about Trigger as a studio is that now in 2019, we no longer just call it the Amaishi studio, right? Like, I think that was always the worry with Trigger's reputation is, oh, like, uh, sex, mock speed, and violence or whatever is just going to be, that's just Trigger in a nutshell, right? It's just Amaishi going crazy, but then we got... Little Witch Academia, which proved that, like, oh, Trigger, like, there, there's more than one premier talent at Trigger. And then we got Gridman uh, with Amamiya proving once again that, like, this is a studio capable of exploring, like, you know, things in a similar umbrella, but, you know, with different approaches to it. 
They have more yeah, range they have, than they have more range than we ever expected they would. And but despite that, like you know, Promare is like putting on like a very comfortable pair of like the nicest tailored shoes you've ever seen. It is. It is Promare is trigger at its like most outsized, its most personable, its most like technically well put together. I it it is everything you know about like the stereotypes about trigger and like the stereotypes about Amaishi as a creator, but also I think on a technical level, I don't think they've ever made anything quite like this. Like even compared to like the work they were doing at Gynex, I think that Promare it it, it it's it, it hits a scale and energy that like is unlike anything I've ever seen from them before. That's a, that's a pretty bold claim, particularly considering the amount of like CG in play. I was going to kind of ask you how you feel about that, that movie. Is like fifty percent CG. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of CG, but uh, I'd say it's done well because like you know I think you know, as I've said in our past, in the past with our conversations about movies like, you know, Into the Spider-Verse, you know, I've never been like, you know, unanimously opposed to CG. I think that it's just that CG is a tool and it is a tool that unfortunately I think Japanese creators tend to use poorly, but they did a really good job with the CG in this movie. I think like they really take advantage of like the, the kind of camera cuts and movements you can do in CG like the color palette is very well suited for CG animation. Like the most important thing I think I think they did is that the 2D scenes are drawn and colored to look like the 3D style. So like you right. can still instead tell of, what it is. Instead of the other way around. Usually yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the usually problem. where it's the other way around where the CG is like a poor imitation of the 2D style. Here, I think they actually, I think, you know, I'd have to like read an interview to get for confirmation of this, but I feel like their intent was actually to make the 2D emulate the CG. And so you could still tell when which is which, but, you know, on average, scene to scene, it does flow together pretty well. And uh, I think that that's why it makes the movie work on a visual level. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we've probably all seen the trailers and whatnot at this point, so we have some idea. But I'm sure it's more uh, impressive once you see the whole movie, as far as how they oh, integrate yeah. that all. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, think, I think it is a very good movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I am. There's some cool fucking shit in that movie, man. Like it's like not I mean, to bag too this. much. Sure. Don't answer this, but do they go to space? Don't answer that. I will not answer that, but I was gonna say not to. I guess excuse me, I'm not. I'm not here to like fucking just bag on Fire Force all the time, but it is really striking watching those. Like, I think we literally watched like Promare on Thursday and then Fire Force on Friday, and like, it's just it's really striking the difference in like, like they're both like very keenly animated shows about people ostensibly fighting fires in the least firefighting esque way, and. <laughs> well it's just the difference in the energy and the personality that at play um to be fair they've been working on premiere for a very long time like true it's true very, this that's, is... that's like going back to they announced that in that block with darling and the franks and uh and Green Green Man. Man way back when so yeah and so uh but yeah but, i'm uh, i'm glad to hear it lived up to expectations uh and yes and i'm 
by the time this podcast is out, I'm afraid it'll probably be too late, but, like, if you can find a theater showing, I would highly recommend it. Like, I feel like they made this, they made this movie for theaters. Like, the scale and, like, the, the, the angles it operates on feels like it's meant to be watched on a, on a screen that's, like, right. you know, gigantic. But, uh... Yeah. I realize it got a very limited run, so by the time this podcast is out, there probably aren't any more showings. So, yeah, unfortunately, the rest of us will probably need to just wait until other means become available. Yes, they, uh, they did announce so. the home release is going to be February of 2020. So, oh wow, that's this feels like a long time off considering how yeah. long the movie's been out. Because like it, like we just like we we just got it here, but it's been out for a while in Japan, right? So yeah. Like, that's what I'm like saying. Y'all should have seen it in theaters when you had the chance, man. Yeah. Well, I'm too lazy for, for all that to go see it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. All right. Well, again, I'm glad that sounds like that worked out. And we will catch up with that again when in February, I guess. All right. So let's move along to TV shows and what we've been watching. And we're going to kick off with uh, Carolyn Tuesday, primarily because it's technically not over as of recording, right? Does that? Come I out think there's one more episode uh, later later this week. Next week. Okay. Yeah. So as of recording, there's still an episode left, but we're probably never going to have opportunity to talk about it again. So let's uh, <laughs> let's touch base on that one. Um, how is how are we looking going into the final episode? At this point, not good. <laughs> has the has the I haven't been watching, so you guys are gonna have to help me out here. Was the uh, the political stuff taken over the show? Kinda, yeah. Like, but not in a like a not in a very seamless way, or not in a. It's a. It's shaping up to be very. The polit the the bad politicians are trying to get rid of music because it doesn't fit their politics. They're going to censor us all. So, but don't worry. The presidential candidates just being brainwashed by the evil consultant. So if we get all the musicians together to do a big collab, we'll prove the power of music and, and we'll end racism racism. with a music festival. It's yeah. It's like, I go ahead. G. It's or, it's just really, an, it's it's disappointing that this is kind of how this show is ending up because like, you can tell that like Watanabe's heart might be in the right place, but like, it runs into the problem where the show is trying to like be too many things at once because like it is, it's a show that is simultaneously trying to tackle like very like, you know, very tough relevant imagery, you know, of like literal ice raids on immigrants right like you know there are literal scenes of like you know immigration like cops it says like, it says mars ice like, on their jackets yes literally mice uh mice raids and like you know like you know busting immigrants and like you know imprisoning them in camps but then at the same time the show is like so like it's a fucking jet set radio shit like the politicians are literally saying oh Music is the most subversive form of culture. Thus, we must stamp it down. Oh. And it's like, what? No, like, <laughs> like, I, I hate to be that guy, but honestly, tell me the last fucking time music of all things, like especially pop music, actually ushered in like notable 
social upheaval. <laughs> and yeah. It's hmm. and, and like yeah, and, and it's literally the plot is angry towards we're gonna throw a big music festival with all the artists left that haven't been arrested yet, and we're gonna like that music festival will somehow end the like growing racial tension and aggressions that have been like simmering in this society this entire show. Well, my my biggest worry, which seems like it's probably going to come true, was this whole thing they've been hyping up with Carol and Tuesday chasing the world is like there's going to be this like magical healing moment when they perform where suddenly everybody sees eye to eye and the world is healed and like all those and intro- all, all those intruders switch sides right? and start fighting <laughs> <laughs> except in this case they don't mag- they don't actually don't have uh, powers over them or whatever but putting them across the side like I, I like i get it and i can see how like g you were saying maybe their heart is in the right place with bringing attention to these things but like I feel like also now is not the time for that kind of silly optimism type of stuff, like for lack of a better term, yeah. I don't know. Like it, but, uh, it sucks to sound that cynical, but it's just like, no, I, make yeah, a show I, I, about like, because this, this show is like playing with some very like relevant, like populist conservative, like dogma, but then it is also like, but it just doesn't work because like, a music festival is not a real answer. And I'm not saying that Carol Tuesday should have real answers for these very real issues, but the answer it has come up with is almost insultingly saccharine. Right. It almost makes me think of like that, uh, that ill-fated Pepsi commercial from a couple years ago. You guys remember that with the, you may, I can't believe you made me remember that fucking Pepsi commercial. Oh God. (laughs) Where, where, Where you had like the protesters and the police and like, uh, what's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it brings them absolutely oh, all the problems are solved. Uh, uh, gotta love it when the multi billion dollar corporation uh tries to yeah. sell you the message of uh, <laughs> that's kind of what it makes me think of, but maybe that's yeah. not fair. I don't know. But um, Aqua, are you still keeping up with this? Do you have any? I'm trying, I'm not exactly caught up, but. I think I'm overall more more like into this show because of reasons I have explained on previous podcasts. Uh, right. But I think like I can't really, you know, judge it, the, the idea, because it hasn't come up yet at the point where I'm at. But I, I think there that in say there could you could make a case for this idea of like, let's make a show about these pop stars rising to fame and in the background there is incredible political upheaval racial tension anti-immigrant rhetoric and stuff happening and they try to respond to that in their music but i think that in order to do that well you have to focus on their powerlessness as artists that right. you could like end on like they they say like okay we gotta do something you know we're famous musicians we gotta take a stand uh, you know we gotta we gotta Taylor Swift us up we can't stay silent in the face <laughs> of all of this this horrible you know conservative violence so we're gonna throw a big concert uh, just to show that you know there are still people out there who care about other people. You know, we're going to get all our friends and throw a big concert. And I think the ideal way, like to thematically end that thing, you could have them have their concert 
which which shows that there is still you know good in the world but then the evil conservative politician still wins the election right and you yeah. could sort of play it's hard. based on that contrast to like say something yeah. about how musicians do try to use their power for good but are ultimately only like representative of a even though they are superstars they are only representative of a very small group of people and most of the people don't really care about what pop stars have to say and are mostly influenced by their gut right like you could you could say something about this this idea of like you know everyone in hollywood hates trump yet somehow trump is still the president and show right. how that like contrasts hollywood with right, the like, average joe something like that yeah right, like that, that like that very uncomfortable conversation about like how actually pop culture maybe does not have you know nearly as much like sway or impact in the real world as or maybe the people who are yeah. a part of it hope yeah. it would right yeah and it's hard it's very hard to do that and keep that fine line of being like too cynical, like just to, I guess, counterbalance my point earlier. Like, I don't want that. I don't want to go that route necessarily, but that's kind of the, the also the reality of the situation. Yeah. Right. So, well, like it's, it takes a level of nuance and good writing and things like that to handle that in a way that doesn't swing either too far into being too optimistic optimistic and you know saccharine as you said g or you know swinging the other way and being cynical and saying there's no hope at all uh right and i don't get the impression the show is capable of handling that you get the problem <laughs> and i think that carol and tuesday is kind of a show stuck between two extremes and two extremes that you can perfectly like embody in another watanabe anime mainly a one extreme it is space dandy it is an anthology series about wacky characters in a strange, you know, situation, which is the music industry on Mars, and we can have them do whatever we want, and then we get episodes like the music video episode. Right. Or the, the Earthigan <laughs> oh, goes man. bankrupt episode. And then so on the, good, the good part. Yeah. And then on the other hand, we have, you know, I, I say Watanabe, but of course it's stupid to attribute a show that is not even being written by him. He's the director. But let's just go with Watanabe for now. Like feeling pressured to, like Carol and Tuesday in the show, use his celebrity status to say something about what's going on in the world. And the two ideas not really mixing well. I think. If Watanabe wanted to show make a show that was purely about politics, he could put it he could pull it off. He made Terror in Resonance, which was not a perfect show, but which was at least a show that handled the political stuff better than Carolyn Tuesday does. And right. I think that is his real ambition. You know, he wants to make entertainment that is also here to, you know give people a kick under the butt, teach teach them to, you know, wake up sheeple. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you know, know what's going on, no filter, this is what's happening in the world. And I generally think he does a good job at that, like to the point where it actually makes you uncomfortable that seeing something like this in fiction and you think, well, this is completely ridiculous. And then you read the news and you see that that kind of stuff is actually happening. 
that was the kind of yeah. thing you had with Terror in Residence. You know, they can be this corrupt, and they totally are. And now you get the same thing again <laughs> with Carol and Tuesday. But it is the fact that he's trying to, you know, sort of unite those two things that he likes to do. In, and the fact that these two things really or, so don't go even, together all that well. It might not even be his control entirely if it's a committee or like many people trying to pull the show in many different yeah, directions. Yeah. Who knows? But like this, is is a, this is a simplification because, of course, it is not in the hands of one man to decide. Right. So it's yeah, it's uh, it's just it's it's these are always frustrating because there's good bits that feel like they could have pulled this together into something really good. And when it doesn't come together, it's makes it more frustrating, I guess, but all right. Well, unless anybody else has anything to add on that, we should probably move along. Well, yeah, we should talk about a show that, um, compared to Carol and Tuesday, uh, could not pull it together by any single objective metric, uh, possible, but, did in fact manage to introduce its uh, political subplot in a far more <laughs> seamless manner. Okay, well, let's uh, let's remember Copcraft, which we have not really talked about in a long time. No, for various reasons. Uh, perhaps it didn't merit it up to now, but uh, th- that's it's over, right? At this point, uh, we still have one more episode. I think. Oh, okay. Because they had to take a. They had it. They had to do a recap episode in a twelve-episode anime, <laughs> which tells you everything you need to know about how the production of that anime went. All right. So, well, how how are we looking then on this moving into the uh, the ending then? Uh, Iro, do you want to get into it since uh, you're the person who kind of brought up the comparisons with Carol and Tuesday while we were watching? Uh, yeah. So, like Carol and Tuesday, Copcraft uh, introduced a political subplot because. Like, the setting up till now has involved all of the alternate world stuff, and, like, the city has all of the the fairies and elf people and whatever from the other world, and it's, you know, your thinly veiled immigration allegory, uh, by which I mean they have an election and stuff going on in the show with your, like, racist candidate and all that, you know, saying, no more immigration, those those, uh, Samanians are coming in and stealing our jobs and they're not paying our paying taxes, etc. Yeah. all that stuff. But I think because like the show has, the show's had, uh, <clears throat> um, Exodilica as a main character the whole time. And the writing has always been on this sort of street level of this, like casual sort of tone to it the sort of glib way in which the characters address her and other Simonian characters like reflects reality a lot more closely, I think than Carol Tuesday. Like Carol Tuesday is trying to make big grand sweeping statements about, you know, how we need to end racism or whatever when, and that's fine. But the way Copcraft is doing it is strikes me as more, realist I, 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 I mean they're not, uh, realistic. they're not presenting some magic bullet to end racism like. right like there's this whole conversation about uh in like the most recent episode where ex exodilica is like oh 
actually, I'm kind of lucky to be a Simonian whose colleagues are understanding of my origins or whatever, and not like, yeah, you say shitty kind of racist shit sometimes, but also you respect me as a human being. Right. <laughs> you respect me as yeah, a person. Like, because it is very much street level, like for those who are not familiar with Copcraft, because we haven't brought it up in literal months, um, it is essentially a kind of buddy cop procedural about like, you know, a grizzled cop named K Matoba and um, essentially a fairy knight from another, another world uh, named uh, uh, Talarna Exodilica. And uh, they don't get along, but together they fight crime. You know, it's <laughs> like the thing is like Iro totally nails it. He totally nails what Cockcraft does so well. But like the thing is that it is in the context of what is a very pulpy, episodic, uh, a buddy cop like crime procedural. And because it is so street level this whole time, like like any kind of buddy cop duo, these two are trading jabs at each other all the time, right? Like, you know, uh, you know, Kay calls her a, calls her a fucking alien, you know, and like she's Spice alien. Right, right. And she has like her own slur for like people or for, for humans and like, you know, like, oh, you boorish, clumsy, oaf humans and all this stuff. Right. And it's like it it gets it, it does a better job of showing kind of like a, 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 a more quote unquote, a more grounded take on cultural and racial uh integration in a like a very recently multicultural society and the tensions that come from that and you know like that politician who like the 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 very like make earth great again like politician you know he's not like some like cartoonish like oh i'm gonna we're gonna like put the fairies in camps and like gas them or something like he's like he's saying the kind of shit that any shitty conservative politician says like they they grill him and he says like now i don't hate the simonians uh, that's what they're called like the fairy people he's like i don't hate the simonians however if they if they come to earth they need to integrate into our language and culture like that's what right. immigrants are supposed to do and it's like that's right. a, a that's a shitty thing to say but it's also a believable shitty thing to say Right. Like that's exactly what like one of these kinds of politicians would say to like deflect from like the violence that his his like populist rhetoric is inciting. As and, bad as as bad as things are, we're still not at the point where I could see somebody saying we're banning music. Right, right. right. Like, <laughs> and 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 like, there's a good bit where like not yet. But, <laughs> no, not yeah. yet. Like, there, there's a lot of good bits where like Talarna is like talking about like because because this whole like plotline is about an election and about like democracy and like it's like many like intrinsic flaws and about how democracy is a system that has to be upheld by the people and uh Matuba channeling a lot of yang energy when he drops a line <laughs> that he says like well you see talarna democracy is not about what's best it's about what's better and right I was like, man, the show actually kind of gets it in a way that it's like really like stupid presentation and 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 tone like completely belies. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, which is which is to say, the production on that show is completely fallen apart around episode three. Like, it's, yeah. it looks like <laughs> shit. Uh, almost like almost every show. almost everything about that show is just not really coming together, other than the writing. Right. It's it's really a shame. I gotta say though, man, that's a very good line. That is the like that's like the anime equivalent of 
do you think God stays in his heaven out of fear of what he created? <laughs> which is an incredibly deep-sounding line, which is also from Spy Kids. <laughs> That's right, yeah. It's, it's, a good, it's a good comparison, because like, here's the thing, Cockcraft is pulpy. It's, you know, they're, they're dealing with a necromancer pimp who is like you know, uh, uh, ascending like zombie, mega zombie assassins after our duo, you know, like they took a, they took a fucking vampire casket to their, like, literally to, the mortician. to their, yeah. right, to, to their, like, police mortician, like, you know, their forensics department, where they just, of course, like the idiots they are, just crack it open and start, like, doing blood, taking blood samples, and then surprise, surprise, the vampire jumps out and, like, starts killing people. And so it's a very one one second. When you say necromancer pimp, <laughs> is that uh, like he's a necromancer? He's a pimp by day and a necromancer by night. He's or a necromancer. Does he combine the necromancer and pimp jobs? It's it, it, a joke. It's more just he's a, he's a, he is a just a regular creepy necromancer like wizard, but he dresses like fucking ridiculous like he's got like a red okay like a red okay. robe that goes down okay. to like his knees and like a red hat not, with a feather in it or some shit it's it's not like he's pimping out corpses no. or some corpses oh, or something there's an actual catholic priest pimp in that show who's a supporting character uh <laughs> fucking show is ridiculous i love it i wish it was better made Maybe, because like uh... Maybe it's best to just read the novels if those. I don't know if they're available in English. Yeah, as yeah, it's a it's a weird situation where I'm almost like maybe the light novels are actually better in this situation. Uh, uh, what's his name? Shoji. Shoji Gato. Yeah, the writer of Full Metal Panic and, and, and uh, Magi Brilliant Park. Yeah, but yeah, it's just like yeah, it's it's a shame because that show. I'm not saying that show deserves like that much better. This show deserves at least a at least a competent. Deserves, uh... it, yes, it, at least, it deserves at least a competent adaptation, not what this is. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 too bad. It's it's a shame. But uh, show could have been better. You know, but uh, that is kind of the story of Copcraft. We're going out for Copcraft then. Um, yep. Well, uh, if we would like to move on to a show that got a more than competent adaptation. Let's, uh, that it didn't deserve. <laughs> so let's Ouch. say some final, some final words for Demon Slayer. Uh, has anything really changed with Demon Slayer since we last talked about it? No. No. Um, I, if I'm being entirely honest, I don't even know what else we have to really say. Like they're making a movie. Couple- yeah. it, it is over, yeah. right? Because you never know what these shonen things. Is Season one is, is over. Well, they it ended yes. with a trailer for a movie of the next okay. arc in the manga. Yeah. Uh, yes, and it's been doing quite well, is my understanding. The... So, yeah, I don't okay. know. So, in I, mean, nu- I was going to say, sorry, in a nutshell, extremely pretty adaptation of very average material. Yeah. Yes. That be the the I mean one sentence uh, <laughs> summary. Like I, I really don't think we have much else to say. Like any complaint we had about Demon Slayer last podcast still holds true now. Yeah. So, Did they at least have a cool uh, fight in the final episode or something? Or <laughs> no, the last three episodes have literally just been a training arc. Oh wow. The the remember like. A month ago, when we talked about how everyone's talking about because the cool fight that was the climax right. of the that season. Was the last cool fight, like four yes. episodes ago. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So they're really banking on this movie thing, huh? 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, it seems like the show has been super popular, so maybe we'll just see a straight up. Yeah, I mean, it, something, but I mean, it also sounds like it has a serious spacing issue. Like, like they just kept on adapting material until they ran out of episodes without thinking about what kind of narrative arc it was going to end on. You would have across your st- across your season, yeah, basically. Like oh, we just finished, we finished the big arc like four episodes before the end of our show, and now we're spending, you know, the rest on this training for yep. the next thing, which will be yep. its separate movie. It's that's really amateur. It's, <laughs> if, I'm being, if I'm being frank, every, if I'm being frank, everything other than the actual quality of the animation is not that well done. Like the pacing, the writing, we've said it time and time again. Like other than like the technical aspects of the animation and Yuki Kaijura's soundtrack, nothing else about Demon Slayer is that impressive. And uh, it still holds true now as much as it did like when we were saying this all the way back in like episode five. So yep, yeah. Like I think you know we we. You, you could, you know, a listener could say, "Why did you guys watch it to completion?" And the answer is, I don't know. But you know, we finished it, and I feel like at this point, whenever season two and the movie shows up, I'll I'll be happy to skip those this time. I uh, I think we gave I think we gave Demon Slayer it's a, a more than a fair shake, a fairer shake than we give a lot of mediocre anime. You're really alley-ooping, and, uh, a, alley-ooping this one for me to the, to the next show, G, I think. Uh, <laughs> so, Jell, tell us, do you love your mom and her two multi-target attacks? No. I, no? I was going to say... You don't love your gonna, mom and her two multi-target attacks? I, I don't love this guy's mom and her two hit multi-target attacks. But, what about uh, her mom power, her ultimate mom, <laughs> mom ability? <laughs> Mom says no. Yes, that that did happen. But I I was going to segue with the uh, speaking of shows that I'm not sure why I continued watching through this entire. Oh yes, yes, uh, I, I gather. Yes, <laughs> the uh, isn't that the story of your life? Uh, <laughs> Aqua continues taking shots at Jill's taste in anime. <laughs> You've already established Aqua. You think I have terrible taste in anime, and you are 100 percent correct. Um, the yes, this show. It's the stupidest thing I've ever watched. Uh, <laughs> wow, really? No, it probably isn't. But it tried to do... In the end, I think it tried to do way too many things. Uh, some of the comedy aspects, I think it did well, particularly the how it handled the game elements. Um, it handled the game elements better than probably most isekai that I can think of actually making funny jokes out of them and like acknowledging that this is just a stupid video game and not like just ignoring that as an excuse for your fantasy world or whatever. Um, like, I think I told you guys the one joke with like the GM character. Who's like, basically, I hate to make this reference, but Kenny from South park and just dies every episode. Um, <laughs> sure. sure. And, uh, I mean... She's like, Oh, this game is still in beta. You know, be careful when walking around this area. Cause it's not finished. And then she like glitches through a tree and dies, you know, stuff like that happened. I mean, you know, you, you could say that's like an easy, that's an easy joke, but like, I feel like, surprisingly few of these video game isekai actually play with the video game ass video game part of it. So, right. You know? Yeah. So they, they, so like they handle the humor stuff. Well, that was part of what attracted to me in the beginning. In the first episode, I was like, Oh, this show actually has the potential to be pretty funny. And sometimes it was, but, um, you know, they try to mix in, you know, I've talked about the gross fan service stuff, which 
was really weird because they just go zero to a hundred in maybe like three of the 12 episodes. And then there's nothing for the rest of the show. Um, and then uh, there's, uh, and then they try to do like actual serious reflection on the nature of, uh, you know, what motherhood, of motherhood and the like changes in relationships between your, you know, children and their, their mothers as they get older and how they, you know, may start to resent them and stuff like that. And like, <laughs> it's just like really okay. really you, you want me to uh, take this seriously after you just had a tentacle like, scene this, is and, the same, uh, like, this is the same show where like oh no mommy gets covered in slime and falls onto yes, her son yes. it's also the same show trying to be like man motherhood huh the relationship between a child and parent really yeah so <laughs> they actually try to get into some of that and it's like you really want me to do you really want me to buy into this at, at this yeah, so it, it it spreads itself a little too thin and, and only really succeeds, I think, in the comedy stuff. And it, there's just some really stupid things, like I like G, you were mentioning in the, the last episode. Uh, so I'll just I'll share this one anecdote as the example of how stupid the show is. So the final boss is this girl who has like this reflect power, and so like all their attacks are just bouncing off of her, and so. Mom finally gets mad because she hasn't really been mad this whole show. And she's like, I'm going to scold you. And she pulls out her ultimate mom ability. Mom says no. In which case, she <laughs> she she points her finger and says no. And it shoots a giant laser beam <laughs> that sends the girl through the wall. And she's like, oh, she's like why did it reflect my attack? And she's like, I wasn't attacking you. I was scolding you. <laughs> That's... I don't know, man. That sounds hell, but that also sounds almost okay. It was kind of funny, I got to admit. But uh, that's that's the that's the type of stupidity we were operating with on this show, and uh, they were definitely setting up for uh, more episodes. I don't know if it'll actually happen, but like they basically defeated one of the four fiends rebelling against all motherhood, uh, and uh, one of the bad moms. No, this, this actually wasn't a mom. This was, this was oh, one of the kids, okay. but she wanted to end. She wanted to make all mothers disappear. That was the, the arc. Oh, the final oh, arc. What? And, uh, so, so now that, so now they're, they, they end with them having to go out and find the other three, but I don't know if the show has enough traction to pull another season out or whatever, but, hmm. uh, so, in in comparison to the ultimate mom ability being mom says no, does that mean during the dad expansion, the ultimate dad power is uh, I'm not angry at you, just disappointed? I, I, I thought it was going to be go ask your mother, but maybe we should write our own uh, spinoff show for that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you love your dad and his uh. mama-based damage power drill? Uh. <laughs> All right. Well, that show, you know... <laughs> I, I, I survived somehow, and now I can just uh, yeah. let it drift off into. Yes, one of the like three three shows you decided to watch to completion this season. <laughs> I, I I didn't count all of them, uh, but I, there's did I miss one? Maybe it was only three. I don't know. I don't know. But, but uh, uh, tell us more about this we'll other show. The next one that. Yeah, so I was trying to to help you segue into the next one here. So one of the other shows, of course, was uh, Given, which I've been championing. Championing? Is that a verb? Championing. Uh, Championing. Championing. There we go. Uh, This season. Uh, Ending was fantastic. The whole last sequence. 
I, I, I was telling you guys, it's sort of like a super slow burn romance and they kind of poured gasoline and lit a match on it toward the end. Oh, really? Uh, it, we kind of led up to the, the, they only do one performance in the entire series, which I liked because it took the whole show to get the guy who knew nothing about guitars to the point where he could perform live. It wasn't just like he picked up a guitar and could magically play. Uh, so it actually took a long time to get to the point where it's like, hey, we can actually do a show mm-hmm. now. Uh, and even then, like when they do the show, they're like, wow, that guy could sing, but his guitar playing sucks. So I appreciated that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, point is, there was they, they kind of built up to this one big, like emotional performance where the, the you know, the guy, they, they do their like first original song and he wrote the lyrics where he's like pouring out his heart about his his boyfriend that killed himself, which I've talked about in previous episodes. And and, you know, at the end, it's like this big emotional outpouring where, you know, him and the other main guy realize that they're actually in love with each other. And, you know, he plants one on him and then they run off. And it's like this big like <laughs> climax of uh, of the show. And then we get to the last episode. <laughs> oh, OK. Uh, which uh, which is like this super chill, like almost comedy thing, epilogue thing. That's so good. It was so perfect. Like like the episode kicks off with him, like with like the big confession, like let's talk about what happened last night. And uh, what, like, yeah, people talking. And it was like, yeah, I like you. Do you like me too? Like, oh, what is this? And it, there's this hilarious, I don't, I'm not going to spoil the whole sequence or go through it, but there's like this hilarious sequence, including like, I think I showed you guys some of the screen caps with like giant rainbow letters that say it's yep. mutual uh, in case there's, you know, you know, any uh, doubt uh-huh. that's going on here. So, you know, take that subtext. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but and then it ends like with the guy remembering this conversation he had with the band where he said, I would absolutely never allow anybody in the band to date another band. member." <laughs> so then they have to like go like seek the blessings of their cool senpais in the band. And they like, about, <laughs> you know, what are they going to do from here? What's the band going to do? You know, are we going to keep making music? They're like, yeah, let's you know, I'm excited to keep making music. And, you know, we get to date now and all this stuff and it's just like a really good ending and yeah show such a good show i i totally exceeded my expectations especially for my you know the first episode where i was not sure the writing was going to hold up and had to be great they actually sounded like some facsimile of real human people having real human conversations about real feelings um which uh yeah, so I mean, I think it's secretly again one of the best shows, if not the best show of the season, in my opinion. So, um, everybody, please go watch that at some point before the end of the year. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a great thing. Like, I'm, 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 I'm actually pretty interested. Like, yeah, you should I can't make, ch- check I can't out make, I get some support for our top ten at the end of the year. I can't uh, make promises <laughs> because you know I'm terrible at. at watching things yeah, well if you get but, to you one know, thing this, on the backlog this sounds like the one like a show that you know we're so used to mm-hmm. dismissing boys love anime because we have this like this idea in our heads is like oh it's all just a you know the the rapey stuff with the creepy power dynamics that is just there to you know please the the girls who are into that kind of stuff but it doesn't really care about the feeling right i mean of, it's you know it's real that, or it's like 
And it's yeah. really nice to it's see. Like, it's show. like either that or it's like all that subtext that like is never actually expounded on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's really nice to see a show that that you know actually goes out of his way to go like to be a genuinely well-written romance. And and I think the point that they make it quote unquote explicit is not necessarily what attracts me to it. It's more like we're taking this seriously. We're not using this as a as a series of tropes, of a series of cliches that we need to follow in order to be seen as a proper boy's love story. Like this is the right. same thing that I told about that I uh, yeah with, with Bloom to I, you uh, talked about with Bloom to you. You know, like follow these right. steps to be accepted as, and you know, just tell a great story about what you want to say, and you know, integrate those aspects. I mean, it really sounds like it comes from a good place. Like, you know, for someone who's like, actually like, okay, I love boys love. Now let's see how I can, you know, how can how I can expand upon it instead of always using the same cliches. But the right. thing is that as someone, you know, who only knows boys love from the stuff that makes it to anime, you get very much the same thing as it is with, with Yuri stuff. Like, where the stuff that gets made into an anime is only like the most, usually only the most cliched kind of stuff where you get, right, the stuff you know, going to be the most popular. And like, yeah. Where you get the stuff like, Whoa, this is what everyone thinks boys love is. And then all of the stuff that's, you know, actually good because like any genre boys love has a many different, you know, shades to it, many different, stuff uh many different themes many different character dynamics and it's always nice to see you know the one slip through the, the net as it were and like make it through that surface of like that percentile of shows that gets turned into an anime so so it can show to like the the mainstream rubes like i <laughs> mostly think we are for this particular genre like no you know this is this is not what you think it is you know this is this is right. genuine and whether you're and i think that's overall better for the genre as a whole whether it is something that you're not into because you boys kissing which means you suck uh and or whether <laughs> it's something you're not into because oh you know it's uh it's it's it objectifies gay men and turns their love into something to be consumed by straight women blah 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 like it, it both of those people can learn more about the genre because shows like this getting the opportunity to be turned into an anime, and I right. like, and I think that's good not just for the genre but for anime as a whole. Yeah, I mean, it feels like you know, even a, a small amount, it feels like progress, and I hope that we get more content like this in the future. Because I mean, I'll, I mean, I'll readily admit. Uh, maybe a lot of my opinion in the beginning was shaped by the fact that I heard this was a boys love manga and I figured it was going to go down a certain path and all the characters are going to start getting rapey at some point and like that that doesn't happen in the show um, and you know it ended up proving me wrong so um, like I said I hope we get more more stuff more more, more of a broader range of uh, of content from you know that particular genre all right, um, so <laughs> we're going to move on to a show that perhaps doesn't have he people talking like normal human beings in natural conversation. 
Oh, oh boy. I'm Dang sorry, Aqua. I, I think you enjoyed, I think you enjoyed this a lot more than I did, but uh I mean you're free to do so. Let's let's say some parting words for Omidens in your savage season. Yep. Uh what what did you think about the ending, Aqua? <laughs> it was because it was kind of uh it was certainly something. It was certainly it was a sort of like a, a weird like I found it entertaining because it was a part where the two faces of the show came together where it was both like an incredibly absurd farcical spectacle and on the other hand uh, an, an overblown overwrought melodrama sort of running into Oh it got funny again. Sort of running into each other. Yeah, it did get funny again in the later episodes. They did add some humor. I mean like the drama comes to a sort of like a sort of boiling point where uh, Milo Sensei finally like caves to Hongo and decides to take her to a love hotel to where they uh. do nothing, of course. Um, but uh, Sonezaki and her boyfriend follow them, where with a lot of hilarious hijinks as a result. But they get spotted by someone i don't know and as a result they get kicked out of school because you know they were being they were in the well, red light district doing unsavory well, no, they, things they, they clamped they clamped down because one of the girls got pregnant one of the yeah, side characters yes, right yeah and then so they clamped down on like boys and girls cannot hang out together anymore or be together at all and yeah. then so they tried to make an example of sonazaki because they saw her and her boyfriend around a love hotel even though they were just you know, following yeah, the other yeah. two. So the literature so, club yeah. girls, after lots of character development and having learned that sex is good, actually decide to, you know, raid the school and like they, they kidnap the squat there, kidnapping Milo sensei, <laughs> tying him up all Shibari style. And then like yelling out of the window, like we're keeping him hostage. As long as you don't reserve reverse this rule on same sure. sex, uh, uh, on opposite sex relationships. <laughs> so uh, it gets a bit ridiculous and like funny and farcical. Not, that's certainly not where I expected that show to go based on <laughs> its like middle uh, chapters. Like, so, like, um... like I said last time, the show got itself back on rails as soon as um, Kazusa and Izumi hooked up. Like, where you got some of that, like, weird ang- teen anxiety slash cringe comedy back into it. Oh, did they finally, finally yeah, there was, get their there was shit a little bit together? of that. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, kind of. Like, he almost blows it at the end. Yeah, yeah. But, so, <laughs> that brings us to the finale where Sonazaki you know, uh, and her boyfriend come to the school and be like, you girls are being ridiculous. Stop this. You don't have to do this for my sake, blah, blah, blah. So they all end up in the same um, classroom where, you know, the tensions reach a boiling point because, you know, we still have um, Nina there, Sugawara, who wants to confess to Izumi, who is Nakazusa's boyfriend at that point. And we have Momo, who is like, who thinks all of this is ridiculous, but is secretly also super gay, but they keep like giving oh, her signs so that they wouldn't accept that. Like, because she keeps asking them, you know, uh, if I were a boy, would you date me? Or like, 
you know, is it kissing something you could do with a friend? Or like, you know, she uh, keeps hmm. asking them extremely Very loaded, subtle. extremely subtle questions. And they're sort of dismissive about that. So the tensions come to a boiling point, And then Milo Sensei decides to play a, oh, a game that is like... It's like uh, Claire Hide and Seek, which I'm not even going to try to explain. Yeah, but. it's it's like a really <laughs> ridiculous like game. It's like Calvin Ball, basically, but with the rules so that you know everyone has their big cathartic release as they run because it's like a, for, a, for, a sure. kind of tag. So they run through the corridors and like hide in classrooms, and everyone is like their big confrontational moment where they all make up and it's it's stupid and overblown and it is the most Mario Kata thing ever where we have everyone running around screaming their feelings at the top of their lungs and like that sure sounds like it yeah it's the ending yeah. of Anohana like turned up to 11 <laughs> Spinal Tap style but oh I wouldn't quite oh, go that far God. the ending of Anohana is already Fucking like the most Mario Kata fucking thing in the world. So to hear this, like compare to that is yes, but yeah, it is I, also I wouldn't, I wouldn't quite go that far, but I it's mean, in the same. It is the same, the same idea, it, but it's it, also yes. sort of so steeped in bathos that it becomes ridiculous again in a way that is completely fitting for this show. In a way that is like it's, instead of like it's more feel fun, for feel sure. for these anxious teens in the springtime of their youth, and it's more like haha, look at these stupid children, you know, thinking it, that this fun, is the most important sure. thing of their life. So right in that way, I, I, I kind of give it a pass because it's you know it, it, because it's true to the spirit of the show. You know, it is true to the spirit of the show in every sense, in that it is both farcical and and completely over the top and also dramatic and steeped in teen angst and and romantic anguish and it's just it is the most perfect ending that show could have gotten and whether i think you 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 like that sh- that ending or like what they did and how they did it is in many ways decided on by whether you like the show as a whole. Yeah, I mean, it was an appropriate, I think it was an appropriate ending for the path that we were on uh, as, as wild as it was. I, I guess I, I guess I just made the mistake of watching this like immediately after given <laughs> where <laughs> you, were, you, were, like, you were expecting like people to come to term with their character development yeah, I, and like, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I went from like people talking like normal human beings and hashing out their feelings. And yes, they're anxious and awkward and uncomfortable, but it's felt like, you know, I've had these co- types of conversations before to, well, We've we've reached an impasse. Let's play this weird version of hide and seek, and everyone yell their feelings through the hallway in the school at night. Um, it was. I mean, <laughs> it was like it was just like really, guys, really. The joke is that the uh, like the hammiest and most deluded of them all, being Sonizaki, ends up being the most rational one, like having the most right. vanilla and normal relationship. I, I, I did love her from beginning to end. I, I liked her story and her character and everything from beginning to end. Everybody else was kind of up and down for me. And I don't know. It just, it, it was just, it was a lot to take in at the end there. And it was just, I, I don't know if it was just, I was not in the mood for that or whatever, but I, I was just not feeling the, the, 
the path they took. Uh, and for like, is that a final of the show? Is that a final? No, just a most of the show thing. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah. it wasn't just the ending. I, th- I thought the ending. I thought the ending was fitting for the direction they were heading. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's like okay, if we're gonna do, if we're gonna make this, you know, ridiculous shout your feelings type of show here, then this is the most ridiculous shout your feelings ending we can come yeah, up with. Yeah. So that that, that I, I was fine with that in like context with the direction they were going. Just as a whole, though, I I don't feel like you know, and I don't want to rehash everything we've talked about before, but I don't feel like it handled the very uh, sensitive and and difficult topics that they were trying to handle with the type of nuance um, and I guess attention that I felt like, you know, they could have done better with. Yeah. That was, uh, I get where you're coming from, but on the other hand, feeling in the end, I get where you're coming from. But on the other hand, I also think that this show did a, a relatively good job at depicting how that stuff impacts its character, its characters. Like, I think yeah. uh, Sugawara's character arc was really well done. Like how she's this stars from this idea of like everyone has always looked at me in a sexual way, and now not even my friend can be convinced of the fact that I have no intentions to steal her boyfriend away from her. So if people are going to think... Except she does. If people people think I'm evil, then let me be evil. You know, let me be the villain pushed and being manipulated by her drama teacher. I think I'm not as enthusiastic about the the Hongo arc and her stuff with Milo-sensei, but I think that in the end, they, they they avoided... It could have been a lot worse. I mean, that's for sure. Yeah, they avoided <laughs> major pitfalls. Like, all of this could be attributed to, like, I guess the writer doesn't really... isn't really aware enough of what kind of, quote-unquote, problematic impact this has. They stepped on the landmine and then jumped back before it could blow their foot off (laughs) yeah yeah basically yeah i think the epilogue helps a lot in that regard you know to where they show that okay this is this is over she's accepted that this is not happening and this was wrong and he's marrying glasses sensei and you know all is good and well um uh, uh, speaking of the epilogue there was one thing i didn't like and that is very predictably that momo is the only one who doesn't get a happy ending (laughs) Yeah, she was in the wrong show for that. Uh, yeah, should have gone over to Senso Gear. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I yeah I think there, I think there I are like- there are th- there are there are definitely good aspects. There's a certain charm to the show that I appreciated, and I did always appreciate the show's like brutal honesty and the fact that it was bringing attention to the 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 topics and themes that it was, which aren't often explored and certainly not in the ways that this show tried to explore mm-hmm. them. I just feel like it could have done a better job with it. Yes. Indeed. Isn't that the story of anime? <laughs> no, I mean, I think I, I, I think I'm I'm mostly a agree. credit than that. It's, but yeah, it, yeah. It, that, I think I mostly agree with you. It's just that this kind of stuff is, is more up my, uh, because I like, I like shows that are like, have a certain psychological death to their characters, but the death is really unsubtle because I'm too stupid to figure it out for myself. So they have to make it really obvious 
what is messed up about these characters <laughs> and preferably also funny. So I, th- I think in that regard, the show like pushed all of my buttons. It, it did make a... Uh... If that doesn't make me sound like a creeper who's like, yes, this show is about girls who talk about sex. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think I don't think we're thinking that out. The, uh... the, the appeal is the appeal is of an entirely different kind, if you know what I yeah. mean. Yeah. No, I, I I think there is definitely I, I think there's definitely value here. I think just for me, I was not coming together for me personally. Too much of an adult for this show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Says the guy who watched the mom show. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, let's move on from for... that one. Yes. And it's time so. to talk about Lord Elmoloy II's case files, Rail Zeppelin Grace Note, the file time. I will read the entire title. Hell uh, yeah. It was good. I liked it a lot. Um, yeah. I think, Be happy, Jill. Next time you'll have another like yeah. super long fate first title what to read it, out. What loud. is it? Uh, Fake Grand Order, like absolute the, demonic front Babylonia. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, get yeah, back around that one next time for sure. But, uh, uh, unlike Fake Grand Order, absolute demonic front Babylonia will will probably be. I really liked Lord Almelo's second case files, Real Zeppelin Grace Note. Um, <laughs> having the like goofy distinction of being the, the only fate spinoff not about the holy grail horror um yeah which is probably why i liked it so much uh i feel like this is one of the only spinoffs that really understood the things that made me like the franchise in the first place which is that all of the implied universe shit of here's uh like part of what I liked about Fate in the first place is how uh, they would constantly refer to other shit in the universe that wasn't really important right now, but it was probably there somewhere, uh, and how it like connected to Tsukihime in certain ways. And Tsukihime also did this thing, and it created the larger sense of a you know bigger universe uh, that I enjoyed. And then every spinoff of Fate uh, was like, oh, yes, the Holy Grail War. Let's find a way to spin off that and not, like, dig deeper into the other weird shit going on, um, which is what El Moloi II does. Kind of gets... ignores the Grail War. Right. Like, yeah, it happened to to the main character, and it was a formative experience for him, and other people... are aware of the Holy Grail War, but it is not a central part of the plot in any way, really. And that allows the universe yeah. to breathe, you know. Yes, I think I think Arrow put it in a really good way. Where I think with every passing Fate spinoff, it actually constricts the universe. It it feels smaller. It feels less grand. Whereas, but Grand like, Order is grand in the title. Look. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think you're right, trying to. It, you it, leaves, it, it leaves it to your imagination, but then once you see it, like you're saying, it's kind of closing in the right. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun to have one to three version, one to three examples of what a what a servant is, and then but then once you look at Grand Order, and it's like before I could think to myself, what if this person, what if this like character was a servant? That would be cool. 
but then you look at Grand Order, and it's always <laughs> terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like it, in a ways, like it does, it does retroactively hurt the franchise because now it's like, oh no, they actually do have a canon design, and it's awful. And I think that like El Meloy the Second does a really great thing in that, like yes, on some level, if you want to be reductive, El Meloy the Second is like. It is kind of a, a dumbass pulpy adventure, like, you know, the, the mysteries are not actually that mysterious. Like, I, if you actually asked me to, like, summarize how Waver solved any of these mysteries, I don't think I could give you a good answer. Look, if the show but... says why done it enough times... I'm sure it'll yes, make sense. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it's it's the sensibilities of it, right? Like the way it carries itself, you know, the the swagger, so to speak. You know, if not just Waver himself, but like the show's attitude towards its universe. It 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 makes yeah, you said it gives it breathing room. It makes the it makes the fate universe feel grander again for the first time in ages. And like I'm not a big like, you know, fate fate or I'm not like super knowledgeable of fate, but Patrol adjacent to me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm about as knowledgeable, knowledgeable of fate as you are knowledgeable of Gundam by proximity. Uh, but uh, it's it's cool to like watch to watch something that takes place in a universe I'm you know somewhat familiar with and then be like, oh, here's like new stuff in it. Like there, here are things I don't understand about the setting. And the really like lovely thing is that these things I don't understand are not things that this show made up or pulled out of its ass, but come from like, you know, sometimes maybe a like threadbare connection, but a legitimate tangible connection to a pre-established uh, setting. And I think that's, I think that's really cool. Um, you know, I think that the way it feels is like, you know, as the kids put it is uh, you feel seen like, like you, Eero, the Fate fan, the OG Fate fan, the like the, the the original, the original Fate fan, like something like El Millie the Second is like made for people like you, and that's like sure. I think that's super neat because I think that like a lot of Fate stuff isn't made for like f- your subsection of the fan base. Grand anymore. Order yeah. has so thoroughly usurped everything yeah that uh and, like that's that sucks you know i mean yeah so last time i said i was gonna ask this question when fgo episode one comes out but maybe now is probably a better time to do it because we're still talking about lord el Malloy here like why, why is this show better than like grand order or other recent fate projects because you guys are pretty high on this one but I, i'd also like throwing like maybe like fate apocrypha or something like where you uh, like, into that or whatever but like what, <laughs> fate what apocrypha makes, wasn't very good yeah like what what makes this better than than uh you know the other i think it's just the, about things that i care about more um if you want to just get down to it like <laughs> it's 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 closer to what i liked what i got out of the franchise before it became what it is i guess like, I look at Apocrypha, for example, and it's not the 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 sensibilities that operates under are not that interesting to me because it's what if we took the main conflict and made it bigger? Right. Well, you know, Grand Order is even the same way. Like, what if we took the servants fighting and made it more and in different time periods and more and also gambling. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like okay but i liked 
Fate Stay Night. <laughs> I didn't right. want necessarily just more of that. I liked the specific ways the original did certain things. And uh, this felt close closer to that, I think. Right. Yeah. I would say for me, like... I mean, if I'm being honest, for me, it's that, like, Waver is one of my favorite characters in the Fate universe, and I think this spinoff does him justice. I truly do. I I feel like, regardless of its, you know, whatever, its quote-unquote canon status or whatever as, like, a light novel series or oh, whatever. whatever, but, like, I truly feel like, I truly feel like the way they write Waver in this story it very much is like the culmination and bookend of his journey from Fate Zero. Like where Waver ends up at the end of this anime is like it's very it's it's really satisfying in a lot of ways. Like it's it's really satisfying to see like the man he's become, the man he's grown to be, and like how his life experiences shaped him. And it's 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 really gratifying, you know, it's like you know, I don't want to spoil too much, but, like, you know, there's, like, a scene here at the very end of the last episode that got me a little misty-eyed, you know? Like, you know, see, seeing our boy Waver, like, you know, just how far he's come, you know? And, and uh, it's, uh, I think I think it's surprisingly well done. Like, I think, like, it's, like, <clears throat> in character. Like, it, it does a good job of being, like, okay, where would this character who went from Fate Zero, like, where would he end up and why, like why would he be the way he is now? And I think it's, I think it's uh, surprisingly like, they actually well do that justice. Yeah, totally. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you guys did tell me in the last episode, they use the mystic eyes to make, no, no, uh, no, no, no. That was the penultimate, that was the penultimate episode. To, uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. I, toward, toward the that end there, silly. they That's use right. the, they make the mystic eyes <laughs> to shoot a beam cannon for the train at the at the vampire forest, and that does yeah. sound a lot cooler than what if what if Jack the Ripper was a tiny little girl with no pants? Uh, so yeah. or like you know, uh, you know yeah, 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 they took just... the they uh, unlocked the seals on the spear of King Arthur to shoot a laser yeah, at the so bad glad guy. You brought that up. Yeah, but like Water, not only whatever. that, okay. but like you explained, you ex- you explained to me that like the process through which she unlocked the seals actually has a precedence in written material in the old fate lore of like <laughs> the mechanics of how uh-huh. that spear yeah, yeah, works, yeah, yeah. right? And it's like sure. I love that. Like it's it's like, but, but that's what I mean. Is I didn't just invent that. It's like they were like, okay, someone uh, invented it at some point, like. Right, well, but they're like, taking they're taking advantage of the lore that has been built up over fifteen right, years. Sure. Right, they had to, and, they, yeah, they had to consult the tomes, like uh-huh. they had to consult the old writings on fate that like nobody else pays attention to sure, anymore. Sure, sure, and I, th- I think that's that's really neat. But uh, all right, yeah, well, I'll, I'll miss that show, you know. And I'm uh, glad you guys. We'll see yeah. if it ever gets another season, but. <laughs> Probably won't. I was gonna say, I, I'm glad you guys got this one in before uh, FGO next season. So <laughs> we'll uh, we'll we'll continue to ride the fate train in another direction. Hooray! Uh, time. So, all right, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up by talking about Grand Belm. End it with a showstopper, baby. Uh, what'd you guys think of the uh, the ending? I, uh, since, or I guess since the last time we talked, I loved it. 
I I really did. Um, I I am really impressed that they managed to stick the landing in a way that uh, in some in a way I expected to some degree, but the the way it carries it through, I was uh, I I really I I was really impressed by. Uh, I think that uh, it's been such a wild ride that show. Like, I wish we could get to the plot like recap of the last few episodes because it's been a couple of months. But like, fucking so much crazy shit has happened that like, you know, can't get into all of it the here. Whole, but like, the whole identity of Mangetsu. Yeah, and... yeah. But like, you know, these so you know, long story short, the last few episodes were Mangetsu and Shingetsu go up against Suisho, who has revealed herself to be the true villain. And I think I think it's a really well done final battle. I think like it has like it has a good pace to it. Like it has its like resting moments and it has its action and it has its like you know midway climaxes in the form of uh, Mangetsu's kind of final charge against uh, Suisho. And the thing I'm like really surprised by is I actually really came to to love the themes that this show you know has decided to tackle you know of like you know there's there's that there's like on one hand there's the aspect of like oh mangetsu yes she's an artificial being yes she was made for an explicit purpose but like that doesn't invalidate her experiences her memories her feelings her emotions or like you know this idea of like at the very end like the theme becomes like this like shingetsu's dream of or wish desire to destroy magic permanently like will have like lasting and permanent consequences like and and this idea that like what is the strength of your conviction to see this wish through because like it will have invalidated the sacrifices of every other person in this conflict like their their sacrifices will be invalidated their names will be forgotten like by causality itself and like they really, they really did Anna Fugo dirty in this. Uh, oh, they, they did. Uh, my poor, my poor Queen <laughs> Anna got done real dirty in this show, but uh, she gets you barely acknowledges her. Yeah, I mean, whatever it's to be expected. <laughs> you know, whatever. As I always maintain, she gets you was always never a good friend, to Anna. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, just this idea that like. I think that, like, my worry was, oh, Shingetsu's gonna, like, get rid of magic, but, like, it's gonna be, like, a soft, like, it, 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 they're gonna soften the blow somehow, right? Like, oh, like, right. we're gonna, like, the, the magic canonics is gonna be like, well, you're getting rid of me, but I'll do you one last favor because I like you so much or something, right? Like, or, yeah. like, we'll, we'll do it in a nice way, but, like, you know, Suisho spells it out exactly, like, if you... If you get rid of the magic canonis, like it's gonna cause this weird causality backlash where everything that has ever been affected by magic will like cease to exist. You know, like Anna and Kuan will cease to exist. Like nobody will remember their names. Mangetsu, same thing. Shingetsu herself will cease to exist as like a tangible form, right? Like or or she will like the universe will cease to recognize her as a part of it. And like and this question of like are you still willing to make that choice? Like all these people who died in the name of this thing will be forgotten. And like, I, I really respect their commitment. Like not just Shingetsu, but like the, the show's commitment to this idea that yes, like despite that, it will have been worth it to ensure that the grand bell will never happen again. And 
Right. That's that's some real that's some real uh that's some real mecha hero grit right there, you know? Like that's some like Simone destroying the anti spirals even though, you know, what what'll happen to Nia afterwards is like a very real consequence. You know, that's like some real ass like Yeah, I did <laughs> I actually did think about that cuz cuz if you if you had asked me to predict what was going to happen in the end, I would I would think there was probably like a 70% chance everybody's going to come back to life. Uh and so I'm glad that they didn't. I'm in the same boat, but I did think about the ending of Gurren Lagann where they like they had the power to bring everybody back, and they were, and they were like, "No, we're not going to do it because that wouldn't be the right thing to do." Right. Uh, uh, so I'm kind of glad they went. I I also agree. I'm glad they went that that route. Um. To uh, Ira Aqua, do you want to chime in with your any any other thoughts on the ending? The ending of Grand Belm mostly confused me. Um, okay. Uh, I don't really know how to put it into words, but I get the feeling there is something missing here that I'm not getting. That there are because in the end I couldn't really see a theme or any sort of character development. We started with Shingetsu, and a lot of this has to do with with the true nature of Mangetsu, like. We start the show with Shingetsu, or slowly being revealed that Shingetsu is basically perfect. You know, she is chosen by Magia Konatus. She um, she has all the best magic, and now she even has a friend who was created to want everything that she wants. And so when Mangetsu at the end of episode 11, I think, was like, hey, you know, I've I've had my big revelation. I know who I am now. Um, I'm fine. I've, I've, uh, I'm at peace with my identity as a doll. I always interpreted that as this is as being a bad thing, as it's showing that Shingetsu is like, oh my God, what have I done? Because Mangetsu is now convinced that those sentiments in supporting Shingetsu are genuine, even though they are not her own. They are what she is programmed to do. I And the fact that she I, has come to peace with that is sort of supposed to be horrifying. And I just kept waiting for the other shoe to drop for you know the show to acknowledge that yep that that's kind of messed up but it never did it 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 showed that it was actually a good thing for mangetsu to be completely dedicated to shingetsu i mean i always thought the show would end with shingetsu sacrificing herself so that mangetsu could be a real girl with you know proper feelings of herself and her own yeah, ambitions that, that and wishes and dreams. That was never going to happen. I, th- yeah, I think, um, I think part of that, uh, part of that comes from, and uh, where I would, where I would say kind of my criticism of the, like the back half of Grand Belm. Um, cause, cause I thought, I thought it was good, but I do feel like we lost a, a step after the Anafugo fight. 
like the back half of Grand Belm was not as good as the first I, half for I, me. I would agree in the but, sense uh, that like the sad reality of a battle royale story is that as more and more members get eliminated, like it it shrinks the cast. You have less you know. to work with, yeah. right? But but more specifically, I never came around with on Shingetsu as the main character. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think because I didn't like. I, I, I didn't like her from the start. I felt like the show was giving her way too much of a pass on like what she did to Anna and all that stuff. And I was not buying her. Oh, I'm so perfect. It's such a horrible burden. <laughs> Believe story. me, dog. Uh, I, you could go back to the old podcast. I was out there yeah. like ranting about and this. I, I mean, that's it. And this ending doubles down on I, that. Yeah, I don't feel like I don't feel like that ever got addressed. And I, I think part of it is like. Like, there's a reason why characters like Shingetsu are not usually the main character. She would normally be like the foil to Mangetsu, which is probably why Aqua was thinking Mangetsu was going to be the, the final right. character. I think their, their intent was like that she has everything, but then her final like wish is to give it all up and end up with nothing. I don't think it really right. lands like properly. I think that was right. Like, it's supposed to be do. some kind of like noble sacrifice that all she wants is just, like, like she comes, normal, she comes like, to the realization that like that. You know, like, there's nobody who has nothing, and that's supposed to, like, make it morally okay for her to give up literally everything and become an undying yeah. inspector, except, like, that but that theme that, had not really been fully established by the end of that show. Yes. yes. And also, like, the whole thing is that it is really weird to have a show in which the characters start off with having an extreme goal such as let's erase all magic and in the end fulfilling that goal. Usually they go through some kind of development that causes them to change their goal. You know, in Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer, <laughs> they start out wanting to destroy the world, being 100% convinced of it, but they learn that the world is good and in the end they don't want to destroy the world anymore. I... And here we have you know, we, we have Shingetsu saying, like, I want to destroy all magic, but the show never really goes out of its way to show why magic is so bad it's only that shingetsu has been personally affected by magic through her history with anna that she says okay magic is the worst thing in the universe it needs to be destroyed and this vision view is never questioned except by suisho who is just a giggling evil maniac (laughs) so doesn't really count and everything sort of surrounding that about the whole uh, I'm a doll and there's no one who has nothing and this and that is just kind of set dressing that doesn't really land in the end. Like this show is kind of in the end about nothing. I think the like point of the grand bell was to show that people are suffering by magic, that they're forced into this battle, but then also, Hey, cool robot. Well, that's, that's been the case since, you know, fucking, <laughs> G Gundam, where <laughs> Domon Kashu, you know, seeks to destroy the the 13th Gundam fight, or you know, like. But in that case, they should have they should have made it more obvious how this community of mages forces these young girls I, into. Here's the thing: I I, I um, totally get doing the grand battle. I totally get where you're coming from, Aqua. Right, right. But like, here's the thing: these are plot lines that would need like a solid second core to like properly address, like. Not not mm-hmm. to make excuses for Grand Bell because I do agree with some of the points you're making that like yes it does not it does not fully explore some of its plot points as well as it could have, but also it's 13 episodes and I I don't know where you I I don't like 
the, the story is like pretty well paced. Like in the grand scheme of things, if I think back at like what I watched, yeah, yeah. I think the show was pretty well paced. And I don't know where you could get rid of things or where you could speed things up to address like these kind of like uh, secondary plot points that you bring up that, that I, I, I do think are valid. But I guess in my head, like I, I it's weird that I of all people am saying this. Because like I am the person who like generally does not like the like Ikuhara like like stable of anime, but I guess I kind of came to accept that like Grand Bell was never meant to be like that literal. Like it was never meant to be like you know it, it was never meant to be a Fate Zero sort of story that is also examining the like interpersonal and tangible relationships and organizations that are harmed mm-hmm, by the mm-hmm. Grand Bell. Like it was always meant to be kind of more of a a metaphorical clash of wills, you know, between these individuals and like the wishes they want to see realized, mm-hmm. you know. And in that regard, I, I can see your interpretation of the ending of, you know, Shingetsu sacrifices everything through sheer girth to see her wish come true. But I don't think it is an interesting way for it to go. Like, I think yeah, I would have, I would personally have rather seen Shingetsu evolve into a person who maybe thinks like okay maybe magic isn't that bad at all maybe because magic gave me mangetsu magic gave me my friend and you know the real way to honor that is to uh, maybe you know see for it to myself that magic is only used for good rather than erasing all I, of it i do understand that but i think but you know, the, I, I think it's just for yeah. better or worse the show like again it's here's the thing i'll agree it's not necessarily even an angle or a view i personally agree with but I can respect the show's commitment to its message that, like, this idea that, like, people, like, I feel like one of the themes in Grand Belm is that people don't need magic to be happy, right? Like, you look at, like, the episode mm-hmm, where, mm-hmm. like, they throw their dumb picnic and they invite all these fucking weird acquaintances that have never met each other before <laughs> to the mountains. Yeah. And, like, this idea is, like, they're having fun and they're enjoying their each other's company without magic, right? Like, these are people who at least, you know, beyond you know, yeah, I guess Shingetsu, Mangetsu, and Nene, like, uh, nobody else in that group is, like, as, like, is aware of of magic, or they don't need magic to to live fulfilling, mm-hmm. uh, happy, satisfying lives. And I think that what Grand Belm is, again, it's not something I would agree with, because I, I do think that, like, you know, and the same thing as, like, you know, and for example, Gurren Lagan, can spiral power be used for good or evil or whatever? Like, obviously, I think that, like, there, there is a version of Grey Belm that I think does examine, like, actually, could magic be used for good, and is Shingetsu, like, too narrow-minded? But I think it's just, like, like within the scope of the story they're trying to tell with seven combatants in a 13-episode anime, I think they decided to focus on just the angle of, like, Shingetsu's conviction to, like, realize this wish. Like, no matter, you know, like, come hell yeah. or high water, no matter how much, like, suffering it costs, like, Shingetsu is very much of the mind that, like, it will have all been worth it if the Grand Bell never happens again. If, like, mm-hmm. and, and, and I, it, I, this is me maybe now really reaching, but, like, I think back to Shingetsu's conversation about her using magic to make flowers bloom. And, like, she specifically says that, like, these flowers would have bloomed naturally. Like, magic did not need to, like, these flowers did not need magic to bloom. And,. I feel like in some ways, like, you know, maybe that's a conversation they probably should have echoed towards the end to, like, remind viewers of that. I had to kind of go back and rewatch that. But I feel like in a lot of ways, that conversation is actually 
very indicative of like the thematic undertone of Grand Belm's like take on magic as a force in the world. That like I think what I think what Aqua is getting at, and I agree, is that that theme is fine and that's definitely there. I would have liked it more if it wasn't just Shingetsu knew that from the beginning. Like she had to learn that through the course of the show, and then she arrives at the conclusion at the end. So, like, what if in the beginning she was actually just trying to be the mage, and then through the course of the mm-hmm. series realizes, oh, I actually have to destroy magic. And I think you could have done sure. that in in the thirteen episodes. I don't think that needed more time. I think that would have been more interesting. I think other it, than just Shingetsu is perfect, and she has the right answer. And yes, it is nice that she has the the conviction to stick with it in the end, but like, that's just a less interesting story than seeing somebody like grow and learn, especially when I, as at the whole time, the whole show, I think we were all like, somebody's got to knock and gets you down a peg here. somewhere. I I still wish somebody had, but you know, (laughs) I think a good way of saying it is that grand Belm has always been a show that tried to be both a super robot show and a magical girl show. And in the end, it sort of had to choose, and it went with the super robot ending, you know, where the protagonist's <laughs> hard work and determination and grit <laughs> made to realize their ideals, make it in the end, you know, they, they, they've beaten all of their opponents, they fight the improbable, done the impossible, row, row, fight the power, mm-hmm. and, you know, make their dream come true, and... I think that is uh, the opposite of what it could have done is go with the magical girl ending, which would focus more on, you know, development of coming of age as magical girl shows are often seen as, you know, a metaphor for the coming of age. Uh, and, and, and that, that also means, you know, evolution as a character, learning something about one's role in the world. So I think Aqua, so many, sort of these so two many com- robot anime are also coming of age stories. Like I'm not, yeah, not yeah. to deny I, your point, is, no, no, no. but I just want to no, point out no, no, no. so many yeah. robot anime are yes. coming of age stories. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. But uh, the thing I'm trying to say is, you know, this, this, this idea of that the world bends to the protagonist is a very super robot thing, you know? If it doesn't work, we'll just try harder and it will work. Yeah. I Whereas in a magical girl show, it usually comes down to the protagonists having to adapt to the world by, you know, working together and stuff like that. Like, and that is how you get the Madoka ending, where you get, you know, we use they, the established yeah, they, rules. They, fixed, they solved like to what they the wanted, situation. what they wanted to solve, but they cannot stop magic girls and witches from existing or whatever. Yes, 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 and they do it within the established framework of you know you become a magical girl by doing a wish, and we can fix this somehow, but we can't fix the inherent thing that creates this idea, whereas. Grandbaum went with the Gurren Lagan thing, where you know, Rao Rao fight the power, mm-hmm. um, punch it so hard until it explodes, and if it doesn't explode, we'll just punch it harder. And that is like a legitimate way to go about it. That is visceral, that is exciting, and you know, that fits Grandbaum as much as a magical girl ending or the or the quote unquote Maraka ending would have fit the show because it is very much a combination of those two things. 
but in the end, I think it's a bit disappointing that they had I, to choose one just... of the two instead of sort of combining it just like the show has done that throughout its entire sure. run. Sure, I guess I just, I'm not seeing the world where I want Grand Belm to, like, ape Madoka's ending like that. I feel like that is, like, not... I feel like that is not, to me, what would have been thematically appropriate for Grand Belm and, like, the messages that I, I took away from, from it while watching. Like, I, uh... It, it it is I don't know I like I just don't think it is like necessarily that kind of show like I don't I don't see I don't see a world where Mangetsu shouldn't get to pull a like Madoka and Homura like style like climax I guess it's uh yeah I, yeah I don't I like I, I know that like well, obviously Grand Belm is like taking a lot of inspiration from like Madoka and its sensibilities and like kind of tempering those with its super robot like aesthetics but like. I guess for me, based on what this show has been up till now, like what this show has like mm-hmm. traded in, like, you know, like, like at the end of the day, like, you know, like, you know, uh, Nene got like a super fucking cool ass fight and then became like the obligatory nerd hacker member of the group instead of, like, yeah. what would have happened in the world where this show was more inspired by Madoka, and she either gets her head mm-hmm. bitten off or turns into <laughs> an evil witch at the despair of her inability to win the Grand Bell. Yeah. You know, like, I... I mean, that was what I was trying to say, you know? It, it chose <laughs> to be more super robot-y like, than dark, magical girl. Yeah. And, and that's that's fine. That's and, and fine. I, I guess for me, it's like... It's I think, just I, not my taste. Right. Like, and, I, and I get that. We have... We have very different priorities here. I guess for me, it's like I, I always saw like Grand Belm as like having magical girl influences, but like I feel like you know, as early as the Jiguan Log episode, I feel like I realized like, oh no, no, this is like very much like a mecha show. Like it is, yeah, yeah, inspired by magic girl stuff, undeniably so. But like it is, I I don't even think it's. I think we're maybe overcomplicating it at this point. I just think. <laughs> They could have made Shingetsu a better character as the main character, uh, or, look, made I, I, yes. or made Mangetsu, or made Mangetsu the main character, and I think they definitely could have done that in the framework of the show, and and I think that's the one big thing that that bugs me. But sure, I think everything else is pretty. I think, cool. I think the real takeaway from Grand Bell was that I fucking told you so, all of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I keep saying it, man. I mean, <laughs> now that you're saying this, Gel, I think it would the show would have been more interesting if Shigetsu had actually been killed off in like the yes, penultimate like episode. I would, have, I, would have, I would have either on board with that or or just do something to make Shigetsu change from what she was in the beginning and to what like I mean I, I look here's she the, arrives at I, at the end. And I'm fine with her arriving at destroying magic, but like I don't feel like it, it would have been more interesting if there was a journey to get to that point rather than I am going to destroy magic and go from point A to point B. And at the end, I have destroyed magic. The end. (laughs) Like, and I I don't feel like your character learned much or changed much over the course of the, you know. Yeah. I mean, those types of perfect characters. Believe me, like, yeah. If you ask me, like, what is the weakest part of Grand Belm? It is undeniably Shingetsu. Like, she is definitely, like, the weakest link in the show. And being the protagonist, that's not. That's a pretty. That's a pretty large black mark against the show. Like, I won't deny that. I guess it's just, like, for me. Yes, it is very easy to nitpick Grand Belm to death. Like, 
a lot of shows in the vein of Grand Bell are very easy to to dissect until you, you are left with the sum of its like maybe not as impressive parts. And I guess the thing I want to iterate is that, you know, I, I, I don't want to just make an emotional based argument, but I guess for me, it's like, I don't know how much of any <laughs> of that actually matters to me because what matters to me is that Grand Bell nailed almost every emotional climax. Be careful. You're going to start sounding like me talking about, but how does it make you feel? <laughs> <laughs> are you, are you, are you just going to say, Look, I don't care that war is bad, but wow, cool robot. No, no, but I was, no. I, I often like, I, fall, I, on, fall into this. You know, look, I am, I look, I'm the kind of person, look, I've always been the kind of person who can enjoy Gurren Lagan at the same time as Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Okay. Like, and, and it's all about just like, for me, like knowing what kind of work you are getting yourself into. And, and for me, it's like for, for Grand Bell, yes, you are correct. Like this show it does fall apart the harder you examine it. But I also think that like, I don't know, I guess for me it's just like on an emotional level, I feel like this show, I felt seen to say, use that term again. You know, I feel like this show understood me and my sensibilities <laughs> better than like almost any mecha anime I've watched in years. Like Eero can attest, like during the Kuan Sui show fight, <laughs> like I was literally like, man, this is really cool. that Like Kuan is like spirit bombing, a sweet show into into a like a spire and like impaling her on it and then like ripping a sweet show out of the cockpit to like fucking stab with a knife i was like this is all really cool but also i don't like who on that much as a character kind of a shame sweet show's going out like this and then the show like it's like it heard me and 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 sweet show's like i heard you g don't worry i'm still in the fight this bitch this bitch ain't got shit on me and <laughs> I feel like that is like the story I, of Grand Bell. I, I never, I never thought, uh, I never thought Kuon was going to beat Sui Show, but I don't know. Like I was totally ready. Like I was totally ready. Like I, I guess my expectations were so low. I was totally ready for the version of this show that's just like, oh, it's Kuon versus Mangetsu versus Shingetsu. But like, yeah, I, didn't, I, I really love that this is a show that like every single time it could have done the more boring thing, it never did. Like, this is a show that at every given turn, at every opportunity, took the, like, coolest, biggest spectacle option it, it could, you know? Like, like with Anna, and, like, <laughs> with Anna Fugo's whole thing, with, with G, as far as back as Jiguan Long, right? Like, every single time, like, this show could have done, like, the less impressive, the less ambitious thing. It never did. It, and you're right, it's not perfect. It, it... It, it, it shot for the stars and it stumbled. But the fact of the matter is that, like, it it swung for a home run every single time it went up to bat. And I guess for me, I, I guess would, I, I can't bring myself to ever, like, dislike a show with that much hustle. I would agree with that, except for Shingetsu. I don't yeah, no, they, I, I agree. They, I don't think they, they went for the home run on her. That Shingetsu was the construct all along. Oh, that would have been was, so fucking... She was the trend made for Mangetsu. Oh, like, that all the events been... in the show go exactly the same. Just oh, that would have been so good! Yeah, that that been all, so all the roles have been reversed. It's just like exactly the same show, but Shingetsu is the fake one. 
Like, and she's oh, the one who dra so dragged Bunkatsu into the right, right. I got. I got to admit, that would have been really good. You're right. All right. I will concede thematically. It's literally exactly the same show. Except that would have been too fucking good. Eat your heart out. Uh, <laughs> all right. All right. Fine. Iro, I, I could cede that to you. Yes. That would have. Taken, look, fine. Yeah. That would have taken that show from, like, that would have taken that... Look, all right, I will admit, that would have taken that show from what is now actually, not even unironically, maybe in my top 20 mecha anime of all time, into what is maybe unironically my top 10 mecha anime of all time, <laughs> in that single decision. That, yeah. But... Uh... But, like, I mean, yeah. that's the thing. I guess I just don't want to, like, get into the, the nitty-gritty of, like, us, like, talking about, oh, what could have Grand Belm could have been? Because I think what Grand Belm was, was still, like, really impressive and likable and 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 a lot of fun from beginning to end and i see your like, argument yeah, I, and i race I, you hashtag release the euro cut <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that'll be a new segment Hero fixes the show right. uh but uh yeah no i i mean i wouldn't because I'm trying to assess like how like what my final opinion is. I did enjoy the show. I'm not saying it's bad or anything when I when I get to the. But I, I wouldn't classify my feelings on on the the Shingetsu thing and the plot as like nitpicking on my in how it's impacted my opinion of it. Because I did feel like if we want to get more specific, going back to the Anafugo thing, how like I felt like that should have been some kind of turning point. Something should have changed after that, and nothing changed. And then, like, the rest of the, the back half of the show, you know, not, you know, even not just talking about removing the most exciting character, but also just, like, it just felt like we were on autopilot for the rest of the show uh, to me. And it was cool. Like, I enjoyed it. Like, the fights were cool, like you said. And, you know, it's not like it was completely devoid of emotion or anything. Like, I, I, liked, I liked the theme that they were going for and everything. It just, like, I, I just felt like it was on a railroad track to that ending and that's how it was going to end. And, and in the, in the back half. And to me, that was a little disappointing uh, is, you know, my opinion on it. But, um, but Hey, did any of us expect this show to fucking come out of nowhere? And right. I mean, I guess, I guess that's the other thing, right? Like who would have thought that fucking here at the end of September, we would be arguing the merits of fucking talking about this show, Grand yeah. Bell of all things. Me, it was yeah, me. Hero would. Hero, <laughs> were you truly be fucking honest with me? Did you truly think that come December I will be getting in very heated arguments with the rest of you about Grand Bell's place in our top ten anime of the year? I thought the possibility like, existed. Like, did you all think that, like, like if y'all thought if y'all thought I was going knives out for Megalobox, like, y'all are not even ready for the fucking, like, the fucking fire I am bringing to the end of 2019 I, for Grand Bell. I thought like, the possibility I am, was there. I am waving this banner, and I am waving it proud, and I am probably waving it, like, I, look, we've seen Fall 2019, and there's, there's some alright stuff in there. I hope Beastars is great, but I am waving this banner all the way until the end of this year. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, but yes, I, uh, it'll be, it'll be an interesting conversation at the end of this year. Cause I know for me personally was not a great year for anime and we are all going to have differing opinions exactly. on that. Exactly. And it's Grant Bell's chance to take it. <laughs> this, this season was pretty okay. Uh, but like, not the best, not the worst, but, uh, well, I, were, that are, ridiculous 
methodology has al- allows us to find the occasional surprises, like Given and yeah. Granbelm. Yeah, yes. you know, like, yes, Eero, and thank maybe you for pointing next, out this show, because... we'll have something that will surprise us. Yes, I, I, you know, yes. I think I think you can always expect surprises in any given season. Um, you know, like Granbelm, you know, like Given, but, uh... I, don't, I, I guess it's like it's also just a thing. Like if I'm being more realistic here, it's also just like let's be real. As you said, Jell, 2019 has uh, not been that strong of a year for anime. But that's another right? podcast, like, <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I don't mean to get into it here. Of course, it's just like you look at like spring, you look at winter. Like I we feel almost like, didn't watch anything last season yeah, at all. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> so it'll be an interesting, uh, interesting conversation. Yeah. But there are some individually very good shows that came out this year, yes, including. Um, so uh that'll be fun we need um, a wrap we need a wrap <laughs> yes yeah, we're, we're about done so that's gonna put a bow on summer 2019 we'll see everybody next time for the start of fall season which uh we're only gonna have like half the shows aired by then so we'll we'll cover what we can cover but sure. uh we'll see how it goes so stay tuned for that we'll do our housekeeping uh Keep an eye on us on uh, Twitter at the Glorio blog. Oh, and of course the actual main site, the gloriolblog.com. Skip that one. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google play, Spotify, Podbean, and YouTube. Uh, you can check out uh, this podcast along with our other podcasts, legend of the Glorio heroes, where Iroh and G talk about the legend of the galactic heroes coming down the home stretch on that one. And uh, also Glorio's King of the Kaiju with Chris and Collins, where they watch old kaiju movies. And you check out any of our other previous projects on there, too. But um, And that's going to do it. So uh, we'll see everybody next time.